Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to AFP. My name is Devang Desai and I'm joined this week by David Goss. On today's show, we chat a TFC loss at Red Bull Arena. Breaking news. I'm joking. That happens all the time. Vancouver Whitecaps continue their winning ways. We learned the FIFA World Cup 2026 host cities. Also throwing some shade on national TV. The Carlos Vela drama. Atiba's final contract and the mailbag. Hashtag Ask AFP. No Sean this week, David, so it's just you and me, sir. Uh, we talked to Sean. We could hear some crows circling him, literally. It seemed bleak, but we hope we can make it through. I think he's actually technically been drawn and quartered by the people of PEI. <laughs> they they didn't like finally. the city slicker coming into right. their town, and so they pulled him into a bunch of pieces, and now the crows are, are arriving. Um, but I, I'm good. I'll, I'll miss Sean as always, but apparently there's trivia that he gave you to ask me. Why don't I get to ask the trivia? Why am I the second? Why do I have to be attacked? I didn't, yeah. I didn't ask any questions and it, it felt, I felt very privileged to get that email. There was no subject title. There was little <laughs> info in there. It just was basically straight to the bare bones, which is the type of email I love to receive. There's no, hello, how are you? How's it going? It's just, here's the question. Here are the answers. And see if David can get it. I think you will get it, though. Um, you know your Americana quite well. I, I was listening to your show last week in the lead up to the uh, the host city discussion, which we'll get to a bit later as well. But you you know the USA quite well. And this is a, it's a question kind of testing your the USA 90s knowledge a bit. Okay. 90s, maybe not as strong, but we'll see. Right. right. Um, also, just to throw out, on Jonathan Osorio, it, what do you call it? Because it's not national, it's international, right? It was strange. So like in uh, on in Canada, at least, TSN had like a bit of a pregame show, but then they went to the Fox feed. I didn't think they were going to do that. Oh, interesting. They showed our feed. Exactly. Yeah, they went yeah. to the Fox feed in their broadcast. But I don't know if that was like the international national feed. I don't even know if that was broadcast outside of North America. This seemed like a North American-centric announcement. But I wonder if as the host country, that's what they do anyway. That's right. interesting. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Did you watch uh, any CONCACAF under 20 action this weekend? Any chance that also seems? No, I've been locked in on MLS this weekend. So I haven't watched <laughs> the U20s yet. 
congratulations Ooh. on losing to Cuba. <laughs> yeah. Uh, getting ready for a nice quiet night in. I'm like, yeah, this is on the YouTube channel. I'll just pop this on and enjoy it. And it was not enjoyed at all. <laughs> uh, poor Mauro Biello and those charges. Some familiar names there as well, but this team has had a rough go of it due to COVID especially and just not having the chances to meet up and also not having your Jaquiel Marshall Ruddies or your Kosi Thompsons there in that squad. But you shouldn't be losing to Cuba. I don't think so. Right, David? That's That's not a good look. They are a bit of a black box. I mean, they they punch above their weight from the senior level all the way down. They just normally then lose those players to defections. Um, Cuba's a tough team to play because there is uh, now there is some decent support for the sport uh, in that country. And I mean, we've seen it right. They've challenged and pushed towards gold cups and in Nations League and stuff like that. So there is talent um, on the island. It's just it's also really hard to prepare for them. Because you just have no idea what you're going to get. Canada could not get anything decent towards goal. In fact, the, the guy who scored for Cuba ended up being in net because their goalie keeper got sent off and they were out of subs. But it didn't matter because they could not get what? a shot on net. Horrendously frustrating. No, it was bad, man. It was bad. The end was especially oh, bad. Uh, and I saw the USA won 10 nil, and Caden Clark and Kate Cow and those cats are on that team. So... Stay tuned for whatever happens there. But that CONCACAF chat, David, leads us to a a monumental moment in AFP history. It reminded me of how far we've come talking about some CONCACAF matches, but we're on the cusp of 100 because this will be episode 99. Wow. Uh, Sean is cooking up something special to celebrate 100 episodes. Just wanted to thank the listeners for, uh, for joining us for 99 and then soon 100, man. What a ride. Yeah. It feels like it hasn't been that long, right? No. I, I mean, perhaps it's the fact that I, I can do this podcast technically from anywhere and like I didn't have to go to a studio every time to do it. So I think the ease in that sense made it it made it made feel like less of a lift, if, if that makes sense. But time has kind of flown pretty quickly. And I'd like to give shouts to Nick Andrade, who obviously Big the homie held us down all through the middle times. Book, book ended by Sean, I guess um, mm-hmm. you could say. And obviously, we appreciate Clay putting it all together. But uh, but yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been uh, it's been cool too. I feel like we've created a bit of a community. We have people that you know we can talk about the things we're passionate about. You know, the World Cup cities get drawn. There's all these big signings. You know, there's rumors across Europe, and yet we still have a nice little chat with people who are talking about Canada losing to Cuba in the U-20s at the same time and, you know, potential CPL expansion cities and stuff like that. So I think it's been fun and I've really enjoyed it. Uh, So our 100th episode will drop on June 29th, as per usual, and then we're planning a special 4th of July celebration for our American friends and everyone, but that's when we'll release our special celebration show and it seems like Sean is putting together quite the package for that, involving uh, some fact-checking on the fly and some Will Bruin propaganda, of course. Uh, David, how are you going to prepare for this trivia throwdown? So I will probably eat 12 hot dogs in a short amount of time. Then At least. I will put on a, uh, a penny that says USA undefeated back-to-back World War Champions. And then I will probably shave my head 
And that will probably get me in the right mindset for a July 4th trivia smackdown with my Canadian brethren. The most American of holidays, you you would have to argue, right? That's the most USA Yankee doodle dandy one you got. Yeah, I mean, as long as you're... if. If they can find a way to sell cars based off a deal from that <laughs> holiday, it's pretty American. Um, by the way, stepping aside from the joke, it is Juneteenth while we're recording for us in the U.S., obviously not in Canada. So I highly encourage anyone um, who doesn't know to go out and, and do a little bit of research and learn a little bit about this holiday and its background because it's extremely depressing and it really is a stark view of sort of what our society is. Um, but it also has now turned into a, a moment for African-Americans and African-American culture to be celebrated as well as history um, and sort of a moment for us to look and say how far we are from the racial equality that we want in our country. So we were talking about holidays. We are recording yeah, on this day, um, but hopefully you go check that out and then we'll be back on July 4th for the next holiday, I guess. That's right. So regular episode June 29th, and then special July 4th trivia 100 episode celebration dropping on July 4th. Stay tuned for that. When we come back, MLS is back. The Canadian clubs are back. We talk about all of them coming up next. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Welcome back to AFP. MLS is back. A full weekend of soccer, including a lot of news and notes. But first, we must talk about the resurgent Vancouver Whitecaps. I think we should take credit for this, David. I can't remember if we buried them fully or left some room for them to escape the the clutches of the cellar early on in the season. But 5-1-1 one, one in the last seven. Lucas Cavallini is alive and well. Four goals and two assists in his last five games. Uh, Cavallini is now in that uh, annoying target, man. If he gets the ball in the box, it'll go in. It might not be pretty, but it'll go in because everything is vibing for him right now. And he's the celebrations as well. I like, I like how he is now the in your face de facto, uh, leader of the Whitecaps front line, like he should have been. Were we all out? I don't remember how I don't long think we I, were. Yeah. I think, I think we've said they can compete for a playoff spot pretty consistently. Right. At the same time, I don't think either of us thought they would. So, (laughs) and we we obviously stayed in pretty long on them last year and we're pretty positive. Um, But this didn't seem possible. And and I think for me, 
even more than talent, it just didn't feel like the culture and the belief from last year had carried over. It felt like all of the the vibes that they sort of built their playoff run on last year had gone away and it was the same players. And so where was it going to come from anymore? And it wasn't just going to come from adding pieces. Um, although I do think the addition of Kubas has brought in a lift to the team over these last few weeks of just knowing that players coming in, knowing that, you know, management is spending and going to help you compete. Um, and clearly he was a huge asset on the field in this game uh, for them. And I think you see it really free up Caicedo and the to attack and, and play free and sort of be aggressive going forward. Uh, and as you said, if Cavallini's going to play like this and that goal was dirty, but it was it's him terrible. making the yeah. run to get in the spot. And he was, you know, he had stayed around to track it that if it doesn't go in clean off that, I think him and, and Caicedo were both there for the tap in. So, um, it, it was what you wanted to see. And then you get to see the pure quality on the free kick in a moment where it's not um, the only chance they're getting, right? The games become easier for them and they get other opportunities. But this is huge. And uh, I think Kubas is for real. And you add that strength in centrally. You don't have to play Youngworth there anymore. Um, and he came off the bench, but your hope is anymore, you know, throughout the season. And I think it it adds to what, their other players can do. One of the things that I saw that was interesting, actually, um, I think Michael Baldissimo played for Whitecaps 2 this weekend, which uh, I think part of that is they have so many players with the U20s, and obviously Kubas comes back in, but my hope would be that that's the final pairing, is Kubas and Baldissimo, and so uh, not positive to see him have to go play there to get minutes, but also you want Vancouver to have an idea of how they are developing him and keeping him sharp. Eventually taking that tiebird spot, right? Ideally. Yeah. But uh, Kubas almost had a Golazzo as well. I think he shaved the outside of the post mm-hmm. with a rocket. And and they had a nice goal to cancel out that grimy one um, from the free kick from Caicedo. It looks good. I mean, Dallas probably should have scored a couple times, I feel like, towards mm-hmm. the end of that game. I, there yeah. was uh, some right XG O'Hara. bad luck. Yeah. And I think Cody Crawford was good enough. Like he's been, I think, as well since being thrust into this spot. But it seems to be working. And I think this is kind of how it happened at the end of last year as well, where it seemed to be working. It wasn't necessarily um, dominance or like, this is far and away a good team or a great team. I think this is a team that has captured something that they had last year. That's a credit to Sartini as well to, to find it again. And for for them kind of not pressing all of the alarm buttons when it was going super poorly at the beginning. Um Quickly on Dallas, David. I mean, they've been impressive as well. And I think they they deserve their plaudits. And we talked about Areola and Ferreira and, and the fact that there seems to be something actually growing here. But when they're not going, should there even be a plan B? Can we ask for a plan B? If Because I think this is the whole idea that those guys got to go. But when they're not having it, it doesn't seem like there's, there's much else in terms of finding a solution. Yeah. So what's interesting about this game, and so this, I want to say off the top of my head, this is the third straight game this has happened is um, Nico Estevez actually brought Frank O'Hara in. In some of these other games, he actually started and played Jesus Ferreira with him. So Jesus played as a 10 um, in this game behind Frank O'Hara as a true number nine. So that is their plan B, right? Those are two different styles. If he starts up top with the two wingers 
it's a, a more of a free flowing front three. If Horace starts is playing up top, though, that is more of a classic number nine. So they have these different styles um, and they have the ability to change in and out of them. The problem is Frank O'Hara. Like he's a DP that doesn't score goals and he hasn't finished his opportunities. He looked he has looked better this year. Um, he's looked better as a sub as well. He has scored some big goals for them. But this was a game where, you know, if he puts one or those one of those two away that comes into the box, you know, where he got on the end of two crosses. And I think one of them was like from inside the six that he pops over the crossbar. This <laughs> yeah. whole game is different. And that's <laughs> where it's like, yeah. Yeah. Right. And you look at him and say, OK, you're not the DP like we thought we were getting. But if he scores goals like that a few times this year. It's worth it for them. Uh, and I think that's frustrating because for SFS to be able to figure out two ways for them to play in his first year is pretty impressive. And it's just about the individual quality to finish it off. Maybe this is where we netted out in Vancouver at the beginning of the season, David. But I think we thought they'd be around the line. And there, there they sit today, tied on points. With the Sounders, but they played a couple extra games. This is where they'll be, though, I think. And they, I, the road forward looks a lot more rosy than it did a few weeks ago, obviously. But that involved getting some players back in the fold. So we'll see how they continue to progress. They've got Canadian Championship action, of course, against York United. They do not want to become another one of those teams to suffer a loss to a CPL side. And then the Revs on the weekend. Momentum, right? These are the things you should win. You should win against York United, David. You should you should have a chance against a New England team that has been rocked by some departures and some maybe some turbulence behind the scenes. These are opportunities to to really cement your claim as contenders for those playoff spots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they, it feels like, are a team that isn't losing a bunch of players for internationals over the course of this season. That. Obviously, it doesn't sound like they're going to sell anyone. So it, they feel like a more stable team than the ones around them. But this is a stretch. You have New England traveling cross country to come to you. Um, that's a big one. And then LAFC and Minnesota at home. That's going to be I think that's going to tell us a lot about where this team stands. Moving on to Toronto FC. I feel like Scotland should have called up Lewis Morgan, David, for these European qualifiers. I think Lewis Morgan, if only they could have put some TFC kits behind the net at that game. He would have felt at home because he only scores against TFC, it seemed. He scored seconds in and the Red Bulls basically had enough to survive and then score. Pretty nice chip goal uh, by Lokinias. It was nice, but I, I'm not quite sure what Quentin Westbrook was doing in <laughs> goal in terms of protecting his goal. But I didn't want to get too, too into the, the minutia of this game, David, only to say that I didn't think Carlos Salcedo was that bad. And it looked like Pozuelo is in a, in a place that is right on the cusp of something like super bad. He's gone soon or he'll be reinvigorated by the Insigne arrival. But... The young guys had chances, and I think what I what I see now is that the young guys aren't taking their chances. There are not a lot of them, but I think there was there was two instances in this game where I looked at Schaffelberg and Nelson probably had opportunities to score. If you look at those chances and they're taken by a veteran with more experience, say someone who just played for, at Napoli, and he scores them, <laughs> it's all different. The game is different. They play differently. So the fact that they're here and this is happening still not ideal, not a surprise, but it does still all feed into this process that Bob is talking about. It involves some young players missing some chances they should take in games like this. But the issue in this game, so 
I understand what you're saying about Salcedo, although I think if you go back and watch, he whiffs on a clearance that leads to the corner for Lewis Morgan's Correct. Goal. And it's <laughs> Correct. like, how many times has he done that already this year? Where it's like, we're not talking about a college draft pick. We're talking about a World Cup starting Bundesliga, Liga MX champion, DP center back. Okay, not everything's going to be perfect, but you whiff on a clearance, and then now the pressure's been put on. To me, the game was lost in the way they set up. Michael Bradley playing as a lone center mid alongside Alejandro Pasuelo at Red Bulls, where they came out and just pressed down your throats and took the pace of play. It just it felt like Toronto was never set up to be able to compete in this game. And, and I think you're right. They got chances that if they score... They could have stolen something, but they wouldn't have deserved it. It was maybe no. the Red Bulls best game of the year. And that's saying a lot because they put up a first half hat trick by Lewis Morgan in Toronto. Um, and I thought from the pace of that play, I thought Toronto competed better in this game than they did at BMO in the beginning of the season. But that midfield just can't. They can't keep anyone out. They can't protect the back line. They don't close down and and get rid of, you know, and put out fires quick enough. It just, it it was a train wreck. And they have Pozuelo and Jimenez dropping so deep now to even get a touch on the ball that I think you, it's, I think there's, there's some compensating for that, that lack of ability in the midfield to do certain things. And, and in some ways, I think maybe they saw this as freeing up Pozuelo to be more influential in earlier actions in terms of building up play. But man, there was a couple of times where he's dispossessed entirely and there's not much effort to go back yeah. and recover. And it happened. Rep- Part of this is I understand it. It seemed different as well in terms of how he was being employed. And I think there will obviously be growing pains with that. But this seems to me like they're trying to see if there's some ways to salvage this relationship, because I don't know if this is working in this current status right now. This, I, I think this, like you said, I think this felt like this is where he'll have to play when Insigne comes, so let's do it now. Versus this is the best way on June 19th to figure out how to beat the Red Bulls or whatever the date of the game was. Maybe it was the 18th. Um, so I agree with you there of like, can we figure out if this will work, right? Because in reality, you could have played him on the wing. You could have played him in a more comfortable position. You could have gotten him a bit more support. We've seen DeAndre Kerr play centrally this season. Um and that's not his natural position either. Uh, I know Noble Akello, what, he's still out injured. So he wasn't an option for this game. And obviously Osario's injured. So you're pretty low on the list, but I still would have liked to see Pariso in that spot. I just don't get it. All these young yeah. guys are getting chances. And I feel like he plays well every time. And he makes mistakes. He gets lost fair, but he's ball secure. He's... Uh, fluid where he can pick up the ball and affect the game. It just, it just feels like of all the young guys on this team, he's the one that should be getting chances right now. And it's not like he's being stapled to the bench. He's coming on this time in the 66th minute, but maybe a bit earlier. I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean, and so I think Luca Petrasso's played every game since he, since he missed the first one, he's played every game in every competition since then. Like there's obviously some trust being instilled in a lot of guys, but I wonder if this is also a case of bringing Preso back from from the injury and maybe hoping to pass that baton to him at some point. But it, that seems like a, a move to me that should be done as well. Uh, do you think, 
the window is now like they'll have Insigne coming back, but there'll be some opportunities to change the roster around a bit. Do you think this? I mean, do you see see anything obvious for TFC to do right now? In season, in terms of shifting players, or in terms of building the roster to next year, I'm thinking they they'll they'll look at the fact that they are they're closer to the bottom than they are the top, but they do have an opportunity to make up five points against a Cincinnati side or whoever it is in seventh with 19 games to play. So I'm thinking in season. Yeah, I I've listen. As much as I love this league, right? It's MLS. You win three games, you're in a playoff run. You're back, baby. Yeah. And Insigne should be the best player in Major League Soccer. And that should be good enough to help you get some results. What form is he in? You know, what level of fitness is he at? How does he perform after playing a full year with the World Cup let down, leaving Napoli? All of these are questions that we don't know in terms of who Insigne is. But in reality, you bring him back in. I think Io Akinola has shown he can be a little bit positionally flexible now, um, which he wasn't able to do when Josie played up top. So that's your front three with Jimenez and and Insigne, and it should be good enough to create chances. Um, but they're locked in with Salcedo now. Like He's a DP center back. Yeah. It doesn't seem like they can get uh... Mavinga off the book, so they don't have the space, I don't think, to sign another center back. So defensively, this is sort of what it's going to be, plus a left back, which I just don't think has even been the weakness. You ready for some nuclear level PR spin, David? But here it yeah. is. I think it's good that TFC is not humming on all cylinders when Insigne comes. Because I think it would have been awkward or more awkward for him to try to like drop in there and keep everything going and and mesh to the things what's going to happen he's, he's going to come and everyone's going to have to mesh to him and i think this will be a positive in the grand scheme of things i get what you're saying but this is the part i don't get insigne is what 31 mm-hmm. 30 31 like are they a win now team or are they rebuilding what is the point of who they are and i that's sort of the flip side to that is i agree you can be like both if, they're changing the paradigm because you can try to be both. It's, I mean, yeah, I don't think we've seen it. I don't think we've seen it in the modern day, but it seems to be attempting to. It just ends in failure, so it doesn't matter what you call it. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, moving on to the Georgi Mihailovic CF Montreal squad that somehow managed to lose to 10-man Austin, Max Aruti, doing what he does consistently with one of the better goal celebrations as well. I think that was a surf move that I fully backed. Credit to Scrappy Austin. I mean, that's that's a testament to the job Josh Wolf is doing over there and that project. But rocky times for Montreal, David, after we've been consistently singing their praises. They had that epic win against Cincinnati, the barn burner. But these are just middle-of-the-season mess. Or is this something to, to read bigger into? I think missing Mihailovic is a big deal. And it's something that we can't just gloss over considering he's the gosh darn MVP of the league, possibly. And add to this game, missing Kamal Miller, right? Not in the starting lineup. Um, missing Mihailovic, obviously. Mason Toy dressed, but hasn't been available this year. Um, Alistair Johnston, I don't think, dressed for this game or didn't start. So they were missing more than just Georgie, and he is the MLS MVP this year and the difference maker for them in the attack. So I'm not ready to say that there's a bigger issue um, because I do think 
If you have a Kamal Miller in here, it changes your game. It gives a little bit more freedom to Sean Yair to attack. It changes what you can do. The other one is Ismael Kone. He's out injured as well. And, you know, Piet played well in this game. Um, and he's he's played well. Or I guess Kone came off the bench in this one. I forgot. Uh, but he gives you more burst out of midfield that adds to an attack that's missing Georgie Mihailovic, right? He goes north-south more. He's more aggressive with his passing. He helps you press a little bit higher, which creates chances. So I think that's also a big loss, and that would be one of the guys I would say, can he get healthy and elevate his game while Mihailovic is out to sort of help the attack get along? Did you cast the Pereira red card? I thought that was one of the stupider red cards I've seen in, in some time. Just ridiculously dumb. Yeah. And he picks up the soft yellow earlier in that, in like the second <laughs> yeah. minute of the game too. <laughs> and so uh, the broadcast, at least I was watching like, oh, well, it makes sense. Like he has to drag him down. So he didn't have to drag him down. Not at all. Not at all. But it was not the difference in that game somehow. Uh, Al Johnston came on, but as a sub as well, David. So I think some some rotation, some, some trying to just find a way to pick up some points against the team probably should. But they'll recover and have a game against Charlotte. On the weekend at Statsaputo, uh, some news and notes. David Jr. Hoylett in an interview with KJ Christian Jack saying he is interested in playing in MLS, but mulling his options in England. I, unfortunately, I mean, I looked at the Canadian teams first and like, I think, uh, honestly, I think they could all use Jr. Hoylett. I don't think there's, a, but I, I look and I, I wonder if Montreal would be quite interesting to me. Uh, so I think I was pretty vocal on this show last year saying that he, I thought he should go to Vancouver pre Ryan gold. I thought he made sense as that attacking piece, maybe not on a big DP contract, but I thought he made sense now with gold. I think he makes a little less sense. Just not that he's not quality and would change them, but they just have enough players in those spots. But Montreal is really interesting. It would make you less reliant on Georgie. It, he can play with him either as a winger or as a second 10. Um, and it also opens you up to sell him and not take the hit on your season. That sort of ends it. Uh, if you can get him on the right contract, it makes sense as having him in place to sort of bridge the gap from whatever happens with Mihailovic to whoever your next big attacking star will be, whether it's an Academy kid, another trade or a, a big signing. Um, so I like that move. I think that one makes the most sense of the three Canadian clubs. And the cynic in me is like, well, if you're, if you're trying to get more butts in the seats at Statsaputo and you want to be like, hey, this guy's potentially going to be in Qatar playing for Canada, come watch the games. Makes a lot of sense. Then, uh, I think he's a known yeah. name in Canada, right? For sure. And he's still, I mean, I think if also if you look at the Canadian games, I think you're looking at someone who's meshed quite well with the young players on Canada. And I think that would be something that Wolf Nancy would love to have in his squad as well in terms of a leadership guy. Um, it makes too much sense. So somebody sign something, make it happen. To less good news, Carlos Vela sounding grim. I'm trying to read this in a hushed tone, David quote. In the end, this is business. I'm open to be here, but if it's not working, and this is the thing, not... And this thing not, does not happen. I'm also open to leaving and finding another place. Football is like that. Life is like that. Carlos Vela getting super My Chemical Romance about it. Is this it? Is this over? <laughs> That's what it sounds like, right? And why would the deal, if the deal's going to get done, why hasn't it? Why would you keep waiting? Why would you keep pushing it off? Um, it sounds like LAFC is the one that's out, whether that's because of 
the years he's asking for, the money he's asking for, or the way they're building their roster. And honestly, I don't blame them. They just need to make another move for this year. I think the roster is good enough to contend without him, to compete without him. But if you want to win MLS Cup, you're going to need someone in the playoffs who can, you know, create moments out of nothing. I saw a rumor today about Yarmolenko as a potential addition. Um, He's talking, I think, to Fulham as well as some clubs in the Middle East. And then they connected him with some MLS sides. We're seeing Mario Goza be connected to Inter Miami right now. But is that another one? Apparently he's good in Holland. That was something I was unaware of. Um, Because the the rumors around him are with Eintracht Frankfurt as well. Like it's not just, oh, this is a big name, send him to MLS type thing. Uh, It seems like he's played pretty well for uh, PSV Eindhoven. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Sounds right. It didn't help that it was Miami that was linked to him. I think I would have been a little (laughs) more open to it off the top if it wasn't Miami. But yeah, PSV, you're right. So four goals, four assists, and 30 appearances uh, in the league for PSV Eindhoven. I mean, not terrible. A goal and two assists in Europa League. Um, Three goals and an assist in Champions League qualifying. So overall, that's a pretty strong season. All right, Mario Gotze, come on down. Uh, World Cup hero, welcome to MLS. Speaking of heroes, Joseph Martinez still pretty damn good and just underlining how damn important he is to Atlanta. They should probably build a statue while he's still playing. But different side when he's in this in the team, David. And yeah. they still have ballers on the squad. And I think you look at the players around Martinez just being able to to play that much better when Joseph is in the lineup. I mean, is this Atlanta kind of finding themselves into a rhythm now where they could be a threat in the Eastern Conference as long as Martinez is healthy? I think so. Um, and I think he it's not just about being back and healthy. He just looked sharp, right? The way he was cutting defenders, his you know willingness to, to change direction and to create gaps. He, he just looked better. Uh, he, he looked like the player he can be. And what was cool about the opening goal you know, it comes off a mistake. He sets up Araujo, who scores, who I think might tap physically, like skills, athleticism. He looks sick. Yeah. He, he might he be the sick. most gifted player in the league. Um, yeah. He, he When he's on, he looks ridiculous. But then he scores and they're celebrating together. And you're like, this is the Avengers that they could have been putting <laughs> yeah. together. And that's sort of yeah. their idea. And it just, it hasn't happened. And so if he's really back, he doesn't need to be 100% because there are so many pieces around him. But if he is back like this, and let's be real, it was Inter Miami, and they um, they got they were down a man after 35 minutes, so like it wasn't the best test, right? But I think right. if he's somewhat close to this, they'll be competitive. Uh, Atiba Hutchinson is back with Besiktas, the final contract of his career, one year deal. We kept that dream alive up in these parts, but it doesn't seem like that MLS signing will come, but I don't think that's the end of the world. I think it's a, it's a, a fairy or a storybook ending for him to to sign this last deal with Besiktas, a club that he is forever linked with and is probably going to be the sporting director of sooner rather than later. Uh, and friend of the show, Tim Bezbachenko, dip it into the Prem or formerly the Prem, the championship, Chuko Hernandez, 23-year-old from Colombia, from Watford, five goals and 24 appearances in the Premier League, scored a really nice goal against Arsenal. A bicycle kick forever emblazoned in my mind. But 
I like the profile of the player. Also, David, again, another guy you could probably sell later if this goes well. Right. It, it puts you in the world market. I love the idea of sort of monitoring these contract situations on other teams. And, and let's be real. This isn't like, a, oh, he was available and is free. His family wants to move to the U.S. Like this, I think it's a $10 million transfer. Like this is Columbus being in the world market at a, a level that they've definitely never been at. And a lot of MLS teams have never been at, um, as was the Zellerion acquisition with Tigres, which was he was the odd man out of an elite team in Mexico and he could be a difference maker for them. So this is really cool. This does feel like the type of move where when they got rid of Zardes and we heard the Minotis rumors, it was, well, that's not going to elevate them. That probably gets them back to where they were with the good Zardes. Right. This has the potential to elevate them. A 23-year-old Colombian international center forward. Can it add more athleticism to their team? Make them more dangerous in transition. Open up Zellerion even more. Make the wingers more effective. Um, this is this is a big-time move. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talent on Columbus. It, it has not come together well at all. And uh, this, this has the potential to unlock a lot of it. Bam, huge week in MLS. Nice to see it back. When we return to AFP, the World Cup host cities for 2026 are confirmed. We go through the highs and lows of that announcement, including some banter from Oso coming up next. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus I'm excited to be next to these guys. And Jonathan, my first question for you, best team in CONCACAF, who you got? Who's the best? <laughs> I guess the, America. I would say the team that finished first. In oh, the is that how it works? Okay. Anyone have anything to say about that up here? <laughs> oh, da, da, da. you better believe it. Jonathan Osorio <laughs> off the top rope, cutting off that brute in the crowd who answered for him saying, America. In the back like that. I didn't, I didn't appreciate well, that at was, all. But it was in New York City, so not exactly a fair <laughs> question to ask. <laughs> no one else wanted to answer, but Jonathan Nasoyo stepped up to the plate when Chucky Lozano and Captain America Christian Pulisic would not. David, how do you feel seeing your hero being shut down like that as Oso took the mic like a young The Rock? <laughs> well, Pulisic was actually in a different 90s costume, pretending to be an extra <laughs> boy. So he didn't know that the wrestling portion had began. Um, I, I said this on, so one was, I thought it was fun. I like it. I, I'm not, obviously, you know, I'd love Jonathan Osorio probably more than I like Christian Pulisic. So I'm not like the American who's angry about this. Um, and I thought it was really fun. I, I was talking to Michael Singh um, on Friday about the World Cup host stuff. And I was like, I know we've done this a lot, but it was sort of a pinch me moment where it's like he could legitimately say that. And two years yeah. ago, yeah. the 2026 World Cup stuff was like, yeah, they put Canada in to make the bid unique. 
you know, to push FIFA to pick them, but they're kind of just there. And now it's like, no, they've earned their spot alongside those other two. You know, the stars of Canada are as big, if not bigger than the stars of Mexico and the U.S. And Jonathan Osorio could not tongue in cheek legitimately say we're the best team in this region. And we just definitely weren't going to be here. We thought at this point, I was thinking to myself how different that the the feeling of that presentation would have felt if Canada hadn't qualified for 2022. Because I think it would have felt a little bit like charity or like, well, there's the USA and Mexico and then Canada. And kind of like, we got to go there because they are part of the bid. And we'll see they've got some up and comers and they maybe would have mentioned Fonzie and Jonathan David, but that's about it in terms of giving Canada some recognition. But it wasn't like that, obviously, because a lot has changed. I think you're right. But it, 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 we needed to get in the right way, quote unquote, to make this even that much more special and kind of have the experience of seeing where in Canada these games would take place. Overall, I mean, doing these kind of presentations, I have a lot of uh, sympathy for the people trying to pull it off because you're trying to weirdly fill what should be <laughs> so dead boring. air with people who have like <laughs> yeah. never talked with each other or maybe did one run like run through for like 20 seconds beforehand. It's going to be awkward. It's not going to be smooth. Gianni and Fentino looked superly evil, more so than normal. But I think that's just normal for him, I guess, now. He's increasing like one of those Dragon Ball Z characters. The Super Saiyan, yeah. He's glowing yeah. Vegeta style. Uh, anyways, that was good. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the emotion surrounding the presentation, like we have just been doing generally, because it's not about FIFA or the organizations, it's about the people and the, and the emotions of, of being able to say, yeah, I can probably go to a World Cup game in a couple of years in my home city, which didn't seem possible. Yeah. And I think both of us know people in this industry who have worked towards this, right? Whether they're specifically right. part of right. a bid city or it's just people who work in soccer in these places. And like, this is a tentpole moment for them to sort of show out and for them to be the center of attention and for, you know, the sport to get growth. And um, I thought that was really cool and really special. And I think, you know, I, I know so many people that have come through Kansas City soccer um, because of the popularity of SKC, it's really pushed them, I think, outside of the norm. And that's credit to a Peter Vermees and the ownership and, you know, um, Kerry Zvagnin and, and all those guys that I, I think there's a level of relevance for the sport in that city because of what that MLS team has done. Seattle as well. Those two cities don't host probably World Cups. Maybe Lamar Hunt changes things because he was so influential, um, although he's more Dallas-based. But I don't think those cities host World Cups if they don't have their MLS teams. And you think back to when the last World Cup happened, MLS didn't even exist. So it was really cool. I thought it felt like a, a full circle moment for a lot of this stuff. And it felt real, like the World Cup's coming. And it's so far off in the future that you don't really, I hadn't really thought about it in that way. And now you have this moment where you're like, oh, okay. Like we know where these games are going to be played. We know details. We don't have dates of games, but we know the range of the World Cup. And it it just felt way different and more interesting. And um, it was pretty exciting. Let me ask you this. I know a lot of the coverage has already come out now about Edmonton, sort of the money that was required, the guarantees they asked for. But I feel from the outside, like Vancouver said no, and Edmonton was the only ones in when Canada got the World Cup bid alongside the U.S., 
in Mexico. And it was like, well, it has to be at Edmonton because no one else wants it. And so for them to now end up on the outside sort of felt, I don't want to say cheap, but it, it felt harsh. Yeah. And I think people were laughing at them being like, oh, they made these demands and that's why uh, didn't come off, but I have a, I have some respect for them kind of yeah, me too. going to bat for themselves, you know, in the sense like, how much is this going to cost the city itself? We want some guarantees because we're not just going to do this for the prestige. It's like we're looking at some bottom lines and funding some damn transit systems. But I think if you look at what it's going to cost to even get BMO up ready, we're talking about a shitload of money. Like this is not a, a, a piddle or a pittance. I think we're increasing BMO by 17,800 seats around to bring it to what it needs to be. That's not no small change. So, and also having the news kind of leak beforehand, the watch party at Edmonton felt quite sad and like not needed to show the camera on them at all. But I am very curious to see what happens with the breakdown of games because uh, other reports, Dan Riccio reporting that Vancouver would get six and Toronto would get four. It's got, I think that's probably another thing about size in terms of how many people you can get to BC place. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the inter-Canada dynamic of this all is super fascinating. I mean, you just have Montreal throw throw a, a massive multi-billion-dollar event for the F1. I mean, people were like, "Why is it Montreal in the mix? Why wouldn't they try and, and bring F, um, the World Cup to their city?" But I think reading some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff of how some cities were chosen and what they were looking at, and getting that t- the typical like FIFA grime that you get associated with all of these tournaments. Some cities made more sense than others. Some you're like, what? But also, also there's money involved. So it did make sense. I, I for, off the top of my head, David, like I've been to Foxborough in in Boston mm-hmm. in New England. That's a horrible place to get to if you don't have a car. <laughs> and even if you do, you're kind of screwed anyways. I think Dallas is less bad, but San Francisco is a bit similar. Like these decisions yeah. to go to markets where they were looking at the biggest stadiums possible didn't feel like the best thing to do. So I think biggest stadium is probably not wrong, but I think what it really was is the cities that have global resonance that FIFA wanted to be in. I think FIFA wants to say that San Francisco and Dallas and LA and New York City and Miami are hosting the World Cup. And I think they want people to think about those cities and think about the World Cup being there and it will feel big to them. So I think... Like that's like the Levi Stadium one, 100%, right? Now San Francisco has become, and Silicon Valley and Palo Alto and San Jose and all that has become this, you know, hub and the tech hub. And it's one of the American cities I think people both want to go to, but FIFA wants to project that that's where they're doing this from. Um, and they're going to do their fan fest in debt, which is the same as what the NFL did, by the way, when they hosted the Super Bowl. Um, They'll, they'll do their fan fest stuff downtown, right? Nothing's going to be there. And what's funny about it is I'm pretty sure PayPal Park is like 10 minutes away from Levi Stadium. So like San Jose is closer and relevant and I'm sure they'll do stuff there. Uh, but San Francisco is nothing, nowhere relevant to Levi Stadium. Um, you can take a train down there and then like, I think you have to take a tram to a bus. Um, Foxborough, the same. Uh, my guess would be Foxborough has it because of Robert Kraft. I would be shocked if when this all comes out later, that's not really the driving force of he is one of the power players in American soccer. He's one of the power players in North American soccer. And as DC fell apart, I think they looked at it and said, yeah, why not? He'll he'll do it right. They'll do it right. And again, 
I think it's a famous American city that people overseas, and you'd know better than me, I guess, not being American, where people, I meet people in Europe and South America. We know where it is. Exactly. And they're like, oh, I want to go to the US. I want to go to Boston and New York. I want to see Fenway and I want to go to Miami. Like those are the cities they say. And I think Boston is on that cat, on that top or, you know, on that list. And so I wasn't shocked that it got picked, but, um, yeah, Foxborough is a bit of a dump to get to. Although there is a train <laughs> that they run for, they run for uh, NFL games. This is the kick in the butt um, politicians needed to in- improve the train infrastructure in America, right? Oh, this man, World Cup don't will even facilitate. Get it. You know, I would kill. I would give my own blood to have a proper public transit system across this country <laughs> and modern Why? trains. I love public transportation. I live on it, and yeah, it's not going to happen. Because back in the day, Elon Musk said Hyperloop, and everyone's like, oh, we'll just do that and stop investing or doing research into anything. Have you seen the new Jurassic Park? No, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, My my fiance loves them. (laughs) So we went for her birthday on Saturday. This is her second birthday party of the last four years that have taken place at a Jurassic Park film. So, sort of tell. And like they, there's a guy who runs the, you know, the evil company that's going to do stuff with dinosaurs and they got to fight against them. It's, it's literally the same movie that the other five are, but they, they actually wrote the, the evil guy, rich guy really well. He's like slightly awkward. He's like got like a Tim Cook, Elon Musk vibe going and they have a hyperloop in their, uh, in their facility or whatever it is. And so that's all I kept thinking of every time they said it. Amazing. Um, the cities who didn't get it, I saw that video of the DC watch party, which yeah. I got some extreme sh- Just knowing Dan Snyder was involved sure. in some part of this and like another dump that's not close to any sort of metro. Think about the reality that they're putting together these World Cup bids. No one in DC will work with Dan Snyder to build a new stadium. <laughs> and just in general, FIFA was like, Man, nah, fuck this, this guy. guy. We're yeah. not in on this guy. Imagine <laughs> exactly. that. Imagine that. FIFA is going to Qatar for the World Good Cup. Lord. They just left Good Russia. <laughs> and they were like, Dan Snyder, that guy seems like a dick. We don't want anything to do with you because our reputation is at risk. That's you, Dan Snyder. So in terms of the big games or the bigger games, we don't know for sure who will be hosting them. I wonder how they're going to settle this, David, because I think there's a lot of... And Infantino made like a wink, wink, like, oh, well, we'll see. There'll be a lot of presentations in between then, which seemed like he right. was open to the highest bidder. But <laughs> Mexico City and the Azteca feels like they're going to get at least a semifinal. But where else? So I, I like the idea, and I, I bet you it does happen, of the three opening day games being in three... The three different countries, countries, right? Yeah. My guess yeah. and my guess is and what we're hearing, which makes sense. Vancouver hosts the draw. So Toronto would get that game. Um, I think the Azteca gets that game as well. So they get an opener. And then my guess would be the the semifinal city that doesn't get the final in the U.S. And let's be real. We're probably talking about L.A. and New York here. They get that opener. And then the other city gets the final. That would be. That would be my assumption of how this works. Dallas could wedge their way in because it's Jerry World and, again, it's FIFA. So they'll be all over Influence. that. Uh, but that would be sort of my guess of how it plays out. Definitely see that. I could see Arthur Blank making some calls too. See if Atlanta could get in there and potentially get a semifinal. Yeah. But that makes a lot of sense. MetLife makes sense, I think. 
They've obviously hosted an Olympics. It's a big city. And it's, in terms of like the South being represented, Atlanta's pretty much it amongst this. I mean, Houston and Dallas, of course. But I mean, like that area of the South, you could argue is the hub, right? So anyways, that should be fun. But now it's time for some trivia, David. Now it's time to see if you can muster the right answers to these questions. Via Sean K, today's trivia is, can David Goss name the stadiums and cities that were the hosts for the 94 World Cup back in the USA? Okay. So we have, I believe this is 10. Yeah. All right. So Giant Stadium. No, nine. It's nine. Sorry. Giant Stadium. Stadium, Yes. New York, New Jersey. Um, Correct. Foxborough Stadium. In Boston. Correct. Uh, RFK in D.C. Correct. Um, Orange Bowl in Orlando. I'll give you Citrus Bowl. Correct. Thank you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Yes, he's on a roll. Correct. Rose Bowl in L.A. Yes, three left, I think. So that's six. Uh, I don't One of them has been blown up, if that's a hint that you need. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Silver Dome in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, the Pontiac Silver Dome. Thank you. Yeah. That's a good one. So that's seven. I don't Two believe left. Chicago hosted. Um, I don't know that. So are you going to stick with that answer for Chicago? Because I have bad news for you. Uh, was it Soldier Field? It was. I didn't know that Soldier Field hosted. I don't think I've ever seen... I remember like gone back and watched and seen that. So, okay. So then that's eight. I'm, I'm trying to picture some of the big games and where else they were. And it's gotta be Philly or Houston, right? Think back to what we were talking about, uh, in terms of Northern California. Oh, candlestick park. No, uh, big university, uh, Harbaugh. Oh, they got an interesting, mascot cal bears ucla no. i don't i don't know colleges well enough now stanford oh, stan yes stanford, stanford stadium. stadium yeah yeah okay bang yeah there's nine you're on a roll there you're on a heater man those are a lot of cement bowls that they hosted that hot ass tournament in. <laughs> they're like all right we we gotta find enough concrete cinder blocks to right. see these these roofs and just finally, the, the infrastructure stuff. I think there was a lot of questions in Canada about stadiums in this country and the lack of adequate stadiums, like the fact that BMO Field basically have to be rebuilt again for the third time, which is a bit wild considering some people had the idea to do this originally, uh, but here we are anyways having to do this. I've seen this conversation happen and I get it and I think there's there's a definite need for for these kind of stadiums because they will help grow the game. But I think the idea of public money being used to facilitate this is a tough pill to swallow considering everything else that is going on. Yeah. I, I don't know what the solution is in Canada, especially. I think that in the States, it's a bit different from what I gather. And it's it's usually these billionaires like the Pe- Pegula family in Buffalo getting their way. But in Canada, I feel like the, the the brunt of the cost would also be absorbed by the public. I don't know if it's the best use of resources. Yeah, it definitely is not. But I will say, in the way it's being done, I think there's a chance that it was right that TFC might be ready 
to to have a forty thousand person average attendance or you know capacity yeah. by, by then. in twenty twenty six. They were not ready for that in two thousand seven. Um, I don't know that they were ready for that. Maybe they were into you know twenty sixteen and seventeen. Maybe they would have started to fill that building, but it does feel like the World Cup came and they forced you know the U.S. to create a, a league, and now they're forcing the league to grow with this next one, right? By having these stadiums get bigger and stuff like that. And I think that's interesting. And I, I don't know if it'll work. I mean, we've talked about it with Miami, Nashville now opening up the biggest soccer specific stadium. Um, that Miami rumor, I think was 40,000 as well, because it would also host university of Miami football. And so I, I don't know if it'll be successful or not, but it's an interesting way for the league to grow. I dig it. All right. A reminder, July 4th, the trivia throwdown of all throwdowns, David versus Devang. Don't miss it. We got to get a third D so that we can have our, we can go and eat <laughs> a bunch of fried food with our red Camaro. Amazing. We haven't been told the topics. We're not sure what's going to come, but a reminder, check out our feed on July 4th for that special trivia edition of AFP. When we come back to wrap up this week's show, it's the mailbag. Hashtag Ask AFP. Welcome back to AFP. It's that time again. It's the mailbag. Hashtag ask AFP. Thank you so much to everyone that has sent or has sent their questions in at one time or another. Here we go. Tim asks, now that you've had some time to think about it, what is the biggest takeaway for you from the MLS Apple deal? David, Ooh. big deal. I've seen it being talked about all over the place, including non-sports outlets. Yeah, um, I guess now that I had some time to think about it, um, I, I think for the most part, the positive nature of what's happened, like it feels like the right move. It feels like the right partnership, the right organizations. Um, so I guess just stepping away and having more time for it to breathe. I don't know how often we're like, yeah, they got this right. <laughs> and so that feels unique um, in this moment. And I do think, um, I do think it's going to change the sport a lot. Um, but I guess personally for me, I, I think it's going to change just the industry that I'm in um, of covering soccer in North America. And I actually think it could be a bit of an incubator for some really good soccer minds and, and personalities and opportunities that didn't exist. And so that to me is super exciting. I think I, I love that aspect of it. I, lo I love the idea of more broadcasters who deserve their shot getting an opportunity if this means that more things will be broadcast and more exposure for some great play-by-play -play callers or color commentators that we have in North America. I think for me, it's the, I, the fact that looking at all of the stuff that happened with the, the men's national team and, and their issues with the deal that was signed before the World Cup, the fact that this deal covers the World Cup and goes a bit beyond that, I think is interesting in terms yeah. of long plays and like what what the league was willing to tie themselves into and seeing this as, as worth their while and Apple doing the same. I think the term was interesting to me. It, it's It was definitely, I definitely had a moment. I think I literally said to someone like, this is what the Canadian players were complaining about, except there's one aspect, which is that there's a percentage of subscriptions that MLS will get the money on. And so it does leave right, an open space right. to say, well, we think this is worth more or will be worth more. 
And Apple says, okay, well, then we'll share it with you and not, we're going to give you the money up front. And it's similar to what the players signed in the CBA. If you remember the latest CBA, the players were saying, you're making more money than you're saying. This is worth more than what you're saying. And the league came back and said, okay, fine, let's, let's split it together then. And a portion of the CBA was that the players will get a portion of the next media deal and not a set number. Uh, and I think that's interesting in the idea of a lot of the investment in soccer in North America is a future play. And we're starting to get to that future. And it's like the checks are sort of starting to come. Center of the Universe asks, how big is the Diadine Obzi transfer for York United and for the Canadian Premier League? Follow up, does Obzi get a look from the Canadian men's national team if he plays consistently in France? Um, I believe he got sold to the second division in France and his contract would have been up at the end of the year. Correct. Huge, absolutely huge, I think, for the league and for York United. I think this is exactly why the CPL was needed. It was for the chance to to make sure that someone like Diadine Abzi didn't fall through the, the cracks of the talent evaluation process and the fact that he found a place to get some run, consistent run. And anyone who watched York United the past couple of years, they came away from a match probably talking about Diadine Abzi and how he stood out and how he was a special player in this league. Uh, it's a fantastic move. And I think Pau is also a, a strong League Two side. They're not, I wouldn't say they're a yo-yo side either. So I think there's some benefit of that as well in terms of going to a place where there's there's some room to to find your footing. Uh, and is whether or not he's in the Canadian conversation, I think for, for sure he is. As at 23 and, and being, I think... In the right type of frame to to make this move to Europe and definitely keep your options open, whether that be MLS down the road, who knows? I think he's definitely could be in the conversation. What's tough is position for him. It's just such a position of depth, right? Larea can play over there, Atakube, Fonzie. So that part is tough, but I agree with you. And I think he's been one of the guys we've said on this show since I'll say my I don't remember him year one, but I definitely remember him in the island games of he popped when you saw him play and it felt like he could go to the next level. Uh, And you're right that this is why the CPL is needed. And this is what York United wants to be. They want to be a selling club. Um, What's interesting to me is that he got the transfer because it sounded like he could have played out his deal and just left, but he wanted York United to get something for him. And I thought that sort of shows you the culture they've built and, and what he, you know, feels for the club. I think Powell got promoted to League Two in 2020, so they've been this is second year safe. But again, I feel like it would be this feels like a good spot generally, a good spot all around for this move, and again, a, a big win uh, for the league and for York United. Okay, Barney asks, "What are your thoughts on both Kadisha Buchanan's move to Chelsea and Jordan Hatima's move to OL Reign? Kadisha Buchanan, ugh." Joining Chelsea, hate to see it as an Arsenal fan. That made me quite sad. Jordan Atima, Koitima coming back to North America, DG. Which one do you think you were more surprised by? So I guess the Rain one, obviously paired with the Tobin Heath signing, shows you, you know, these were not in a vacuum. They were done together in a way where it's like, okay, they're they're loading up. Um, And so... I think if Jordan had come by herself, maybe I would have thought of it differently, but then you see them together and it's like, okay, this is a team that's splashing cash. 
um, and they're able to get players of that quality. With Kirishi Buchanan, I think we talked about it when the rumors were coming up around Real Madrid and what it could be is, you know, it feels like an, this doesn't feel as much to me as what I thought her move was going to be, which is like she was going to be the face of a club that was being built. You know, she was going to yeah. elevate a club that didn't really exist. Chelsea's not that. Now, at the same time, her and Sam Kerr, it's like, this is probably the best team in the world right now. Yeah. They brought her in to win the Women's Champions League. I think that is the mm-hmm. move here from Chelsea because they're that damn good. And if you're looking at the domestically, I think Chelsea probably fancies their chances there as well. With I think Man City entering perhaps a bit of turbulence. I think Arsenal women will be pretty good again, but have to like the chances to, to at least win the league in England and then with that roster go for the big prize. So Randy TFC asks, Jason Russell Rowe made his MLS debut this weekend with the crew with eight goals in nine matches in MLS Next Pro. Is this a miss for TFC or is this just too much depth and attacking options that they had to let him go? Ooh, I wonder if this will be another Mark Anthony K, David. Obviously, this feels like they should have kept him around just going off of recency bias and be like, Darren, he looks pretty good. And hey, Bez feels this strongly about him. There's obviously some large ties beyond Bez as well in terms of the organizations and, and people that we know well. Um, having an eye on some of the academy, is, academy kids at TFC. I don't know. I think it doesn't work for everyone at the same place, right? And perhaps this change of scenery like we've seen hundreds of times was necessary for Russell Rowe to take this step, David. Because I think there's a lot of comfort as well when you've been in a place this long and you're a local guy. Uh, you come to that training ground and it's second nature from Brampton. Like I think for some people... Perhaps it takes a change and a move to really find yourself. And at 19 years old, I think what a time to do it. And we've seen what the crew can do. I think the organization also helps a lot. Yeah, I agree with you. And the crew are um, unique. And I think they're trying to build a robust youth setup with maybe not the biggest market to do it out of. So this is something they're trying to perfect is similar to what Montreal did with, you know, Georgie and now Alistair Johnson and other people's. You know, Kamal Miller, how did they elevate youth players that have come out of other places? And obviously you mentioned not just him as but the people under him um, who all come from TFC. Uh, so there's a ton of familiarity throughout that Columbus setup of the youth scene in Toronto and the players in coming out of the TFC Academy. Uh, and so it made sense that they, you know, ID'd him and were able to bring him in. And like you said, I think. It's why you see young players sent on loan overseas. It's It sort of helps you grow up and it helps you sort of solidify your professionalism. And I think everything's gone really well for Russell Rowe, but I don't know that I look at it and say it was TFC's fault that they didn't, you know, create that platform for him. Finally, S. McGinnis asks, in the CPL, there's, there appears to be an inverse relationship between the size of the market and level of club support. With that in mind, what smaller Canadian city would you love to see the league expand to? For example, S. McGinnis says he lives in Kelowna, so that would be his choice. Market population around 2020 or 2000, 220,000, but it's the fastest growing in the country. Good Lord. I could not say that correctly. Uh, interesting thing to ask an American, David. Yeah, I was going to say I'm not helpful here. What comes to mind for you in terms of... I don't, I don't think I know a small Canadian city. I, uh, I just had this list up and I closed it in my, uh, in my zeal for closing tabs, but I, I found it again. So... 
Kelowna comes in around twentieth, oh, right behind Saint John's, yeah. Regina, yeah. Regina, and Saint Catherine's Regina. Niagara Falls. <laughs> yeah. Regina, classic. Um, I, so I think, <laughs> I think Kelowna is a guy. Clearly, they're looking at the West Coast as a potential place where you could have a lot of teams baked in there to, to create the lack of need for maybe excessive travel, which I think is something the league is is wise to consider. Uh, and I think Esmigas is onto something in terms of like the markets that'll fully embrace this club and, and really treat it like it deserves to be treated. I think I looked at Peterborough, which is a bit uh, a bit north-ish kind of northeast to, from toronto a couple hours away that's around a hundred thousand eighty-five thousand. i think that's maybe a bit too small but they just got a league one side electric city fc we talked about them very exciting i wonder if that's too small though because i think i think i'm looking at like 85 to 150 that 150 being like a great number as well but i think the league would much prefer your london ontario's or your kitchener ontario's other places in Ontario where you can have people being able to travel pretty easily. I just want there. I just want it to be in Gulf. Is that how you pronounce it? Gulf. Guelph. Yeah. Guelph. 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 Yeah. Guelph. I, I just need Guelph involved. We'll always have Regina and that'll be something <laughs> I'll remember for a long time. Um, but yeah, it's a great question. And I think I know this is the concern the York people had from the beginning, right, David? And like the, the idea of like, you're that close to Toronto, but are you too close? And like, do mm-hmm. you get sucked into the Toronto sports vortex? It's something we've seen in MLS, which is smaller cities or cities that don't have the other sports. That's where it's sometimes been more successful than New York, LA, Chicago. Um, and that's sort of a reality for soccer. But once you build those markets up, then I think the appeal into the bigger cities is better because they're watching on TV. You know, when you're when York goes and plays at one of these cities and it's a jumping stadium and the highlights are on and everyone sees it and then you want to go to the game when they're back. So I, I think that it's the right way to build. Um, and I think it's worked for these other leagues. And so it makes sense for CPL to sort of follow that. That is it for today. A reminder, special 100th episode of AFP drop-in in your feeds on the 29th. Then, of course, a celebration episode on July 4th. A reminder, we are on patreon.com forward slash football podcast. Join us there. Get the show ad free. Get it early when we record, which will be Monday night this time around due to some scheduling conflicts we had and you get access to the Discord where we're talking footy and other stuff all the time. We're also on Twitter at a football pod for producer Greg on the ones and twos. And for David, thank you so much for listening to AFP. We'll talk to you next week.